0: It's Tuesday, July 28th. Welcome to Market Fullerig. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Mr. Jason Moser. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, sir. How's everything going? Going all right. We got Good. a lot going on. We've got Facebook <laughs> squaring off with TikTok. We've got a couple of stocks hitting all time highs. We're going to start with McDowell's. I'm sorry, they're a competitor, Mm -hmm. that's a private company. Um, We're going to start with McDonald's. Uh, 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 Shares of McDonald's down a little bit today, despite the fact same-store sales in the second quarter only down 2.3%. That's better than what we have been seeing from a lot of big restaurant companies out there. And Jason, similar to the comments that we got from Coca-Cola's CEO, Chris Kamchinski, saying he thinks this quarter represents the bottom for McDonald's. Do you think he's right?
1: Yeah, you know, that's that's a that's an interesting perspective to hear from him. And I, I actually think in McDonald's case it could be right. I mean, I think when you when you look at this quarter, when you look at this report, I mean honestly these numbers look pretty darn good, all things considered. I mean, I think that what we're gonna see as as this earnings season rolls out, it's it's going to be the expenses that really separate the kids from the grown-ups here eventually. They're gonna be companies that can deal with the with the ramp up in costs uh, due to the pandemic. You know, way better than others. And McDonald's is one that is going to be able to deal with that, I think, in a pretty, pretty, pretty good fashion. I mean, it's obviously a, a huge concept. I mean, being franchised means you've got a lot of partners out there with a lot of expertise in their particular geographies. Um, I don't think you can dismiss that. Yeah, I don't think you can discount that. And if you just remember, not all that long ago, Starbucks actually. Pivoted in their strategy, going away from company owned stores in foreign markets to back to licensed stores uh, because they wanted to rely on that expertise, that boots on the ground expertise that that locals have. And and McDonald's has that too. So, I mean, I think that this is a company that's going to always benefit from this move towards contactless. I mean, we've got drive throughs. They've always been a you know part of the concept for the most part, and, and they've certainly noted that. Um, I, I think it's very interesting to note how dependent they are in some markets, though, on their dining room segment. And if you look at their international operated market segment, which is a a a large piece of the business, pre-COVID, nearly 70% of customer orders were in restaurant across those larger markets. So when they closed those dining rooms. Even for a limited time, it makes a big deal. It makes a big impact on on their financials, um, even though they have the drive through to fall back on. So it's not all sunshine and lollipops, but given the situation, this is a restaurant company that's going to be able to deal a, a lot better than most.
0: Well, and you talked about the expenses, and that was one of the things Kim Chinsky was talking about on the call, just sort of in particular their marketing, how they have pulled back on the marketing spend, rightly so. But he was talking about it almost in the same way that uh, Warren Buffett talks about his elephant gun, like, hey, (laughs) you know, we've, we've cut back on marketing over the past four months or so. We think as our operations rebound in the second half of this year, we're going to be able to ramp up our marketing to a degree that we haven't been at for a while. Um, I'm assuming at least part of that would be aimed at breakfast, because that was one of the things I was reminded of uh, with this report, is McDonald's needs breakfast to be successful. They do, you're right. And I'm glad you
1: mentioned breakfast, because that's that's where I was going to go with this as well. Um, they, you know, at McDonald's, they don't need to market as much as others, maybe. I mean, it's obviously a very well known brand already um, with, with a large presence out there. And, in, in, despite the fact that they have recovered a lot of lost sales like in other words the, the 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 fall off in june for example they've recovered essentially 90% of their 2019 sales from june so things are looking a lot better than they were just a few months ago but that that is the one sore point i think for them is breakfast and it's not just people aren't eating breakfast for dinner or lunch as much anymore it's it's this Idea that a lot of us just aren't commuting anymore, and so they're not selling breakfast for breakfast, <laughs> and that that is a bit of a problem because McDonald's. I, you know, I'm not the biggest McDonald's guy in the world, but if if I had to go, you know, for for one meal, I think it would probably be be breakfast. They do it pretty well, um, and they're just that that's fallen off of a cliff, and that's not going to come back as quickly, even though they have that lever to pull in serving breakfast really essentially as long as they want. Uh, But you know, with that said, I mean it'll be it'll be a slow recovery. It's it's I don't want to say it's going to be a lost year, but it's going to be there's there's going to be a lot of of growth that is lost this year. But but again, I think McDonald's is a company in in a very admirable position. They will be able to play offense while a lot of other companies are playing defense, and, and and that ultimately I think will work out well in their favor
0: if your recent home improvement projects have included painting, you are not alone. Second quarter profits for Sherwin-Williams came in much higher than expected and they raised guidance. I mean, this this is gorgeous to me <laughs> yeah, because is. this is about as boring a business as you could find on this planet. It's paint. <laughs> and if you've owned this stock over the past decade, good for you because it oh, has man. returned more than nine hundred percent in the last ten years.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, five year, one hundred forty percent, ten years. I mean, you said it. It's it's just always been a good business to own. Uh, I mean, makes a lot of sense when you when you just think about it from a practical standpoint, and it certainly. Um, you know you remember that that Warren Buffett Berkshire Hathaway they own Benjamin Moore i mean that is just the quintessential give me a boring business kind of guy right and and so you, hey listen man the world the world needs to be painted always and and certainly Sherwin Williams is a company with a lot of the familiar brands if you're a homeowner, or if you've been doing any of that kind of work, then you do know there is a difference between uh, paints and, and, and quality as matter. And Sherwin-Williams makes a lot of quality stuff. I think, um, you know, when you look at the numbers themselves, the company's grown sales, grown revenue at a compounded annual rate of uh, close to 10% over the last five years. So, it's it's like you said, it's not exciting, it's just steady business. And when you look at the overall market that they pursue, I mean, they are the clear in a away market leader. I mean, they essentially hold better than half of the market in painting and ceilings, uh, you know, substances and whatnot. So, they do have a massive presence. There are 41 consecutive years of dividend increases, which you know what that makes it. Chris, a dividend aristocrat. Um, I think, to me, yeah, the cherry on top of this report, <laughs> that, I, I mean, I don't even, I don't want to say that's like unnecessary just Optimism or being cocky about everything, like I think they just know their business really well that they can go in there and raise guidance to the degree that they did. I mean, they 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 raised it in a fairly substantial way. I mean, net income per share they raised guidance for the year to be in a range of nineteen dollars and twenty one cents to twenty dollars and seventy one cents. That was versus previous guidance of sixteen dollars and forty six cents to eighteen dollars and forty six cents. So I mean. That just goes to show how quickly they think things have really turned around. And again, that makes a lot of sense. If you're stuck inside, if you're you know, looking for stuff to do, a lot of people are undertaking some home improvement product, uh, projects. And, and I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, you can include that include me in that uh, audience there too, Chris. I have to go run at Home Depot after we get done with the show today. So, uh, yeah, I, I certainly see why uh, Sherwin-Williams is continuing to do so well.
0: And I don't want to gloss over the raising guidance because we've talked about this before. Every company has a pass right now. Every company can come out and say we're suspending guidance, and they're not going to get any blowback for that. Um, I was watching an interview this morning. It was the CEO of uh, Reckitt Ben which is the parent company of Lysol. Yeah. Which, because it's Lysol, it's flying off the shelves. <laughs> they can't <laughs> yeah. make the stuff fast enough. Yeah. And with with their and one of the questions he got was, why haven't you raised guidance? You know, come on, like wh- what are we talking about here? And he. Very, you know, in a very straightforward manner, basically said, "Look, there's so much uncertainty in the world. We don't think um, we're we're just not comfortable doing that." Yeah. Um, and and I think he's right in saying that. So again, all the more impressive that. And to your point, I don't think it's hubris. I don't think it's you know rose-colored glasses. I think Sherwin Williams is, in their way, in you look at the way they've grown their business. I think in their for lack of a better word conservative way they're saying no we really do think um, what we are seeing warrants the raising of the guidance
1: yeah and I you know I, I'm with you I kind of feel like I feel like I'd I'd take advantage of the opportunity to take a pass and just be like you know what we don't really know what's going on this year and you know maybe we'll revisit next year and possibly you could get away with just sort of you know, removing guidance from your your standard quarterly announcement anyway, because personally, I mean, if I'm running a business, i I don't want to deal with that aspect of it. to me, it's always just seemed like an arbitrary who really cares kind of, you know part of the part of the process there. Just tell me what your goals are. Let's check back in a year and just you know we'll we'll go from there. but but, yeah, to your point, I don't it's not hubris. these guys they they're not. They're not overconfident, they're not cocky. This business has been running a very, a very uh, consistent way through the years, and, and this is just uh, the result of the market that they pursue. And um, you know, some companies right now are in a, a far better position to be able to see what their business is going to look like. And it's not just paint, right? We talked, I think, just a couple of weeks ago about companies like Teradyne and Cadence, uh, companies that are in tech, you know, in, in chip design and software design and whatnot because of those long design cycles, they see that clarity, they're able to offer some guidance and even raise it in some cases. So, it, it does depend on the nature of the business model, but I think regardless, I still probably would try to take a pass if I was given the opportunity.
0: <laughs> well, and and tied into Sherwin-Williams, we also got the latest results out of D.R. Horton, Yeah, um, a stock hitting a new all-time high after its third-quarter report. This is America's largest home builder, and I get that mortgage rates are low, but typically, when a home builder of this size comes out with this kind of report and the stock hits an all-time high, historically, that bodes well for the broader economy. Do you think that's still the case or because of all of the uncertainty around the pandemic, now is not the time to try and read into the broader economy um, what we're seeing out of DR Horton?
1: I yeah man that's a good question I don't know that I would actually look at it and try to read too much into it at this point but I, I do think it's telling us something it's giving us an idea at least of of where the puck is headed and I mean this is this is a pretty fascinating story really over the last decade like dr Horton. I, I've always thrown home builders kind of in there with energy companies for the most part. I mean, they just—I don't really feel like I have the expertise in the industry. It seems cyclical and a lot of capital expenses, and kind of a good old boys network. It just never struck me as kind of a, you know the market I was really interested in. Now, with that said, if you invested in DR Horton, uh, you know, just just ten years ago after. The financial crisis. I, I, I mean, you you're sitting pretty right now. I mean, the stock, the stock has performed tremendously well. and I'm trying to think if it was if it was five years or ten years where the stock has re- returned five hundred and twenty percent, I think over the ten years, it's it's a uh, returned five hundred and twenty percent, but regardless, when you look at the financials, you understand why it's really grown its top line. And I think it's just because it focuses on this uh, particular market in first time uh, home buyers and first time moving up. Home buyers. So they are not focused on that market where, you know. People are have been in the housing market for a long time, or they're looking to you know buy some big sort of mansion. But these are people looking to enter the home home buying market for the first time, um, and and people who are you know moving up from that first time purchase. Yeah, five hundred twenty percent in the last ten years, just been a phenomenal stock to own. The um, focus on the southeast and Midwest. And I think the real catalyst here. The question you have to ask is, given what we know today about the pandemic, about how it's changing the attitude towards the work environment and where people are working from these days is this theory, this notion of an exodus outside, uh, out of these cities into more suburban areas, is that is that notion one that will play out? It at least seems like there's the potential here. I mean, when you look at D.R. Horton's numbers, I mean, net sales increased 38% to uh, 21,500 homes increased 35% in value to 6.3 billion but they noted some interesting things here just in re- in regard to like May and June they talked about these sales numbers in May and June that really started ballooning and unfortunately for them they they didn't really have they didn't really have enough houses. They didn't have enough supply to take care of what what was an accelerated pace of sales there. So so they are working hard to, to try to close that gap there. But but again, you talk about a company that was able to offer some guidance. This was a company that was able to offer some guidance. And uh, it, they see they see the rest of the year wrapping up nicely. It's partly because of the market they're focused on, and it's partly the just it's, it's insane interest rate environment. Um, if you are a first time home buyer or looking to move up, man, I tell you, DR Horton seems like they have something for you, and a lot of people are buying them.
0: Facebook has been trying to take on TikTok with a short video service called Lasso. And after less than two years, Facebook is shutting Lasso down as it prepares to launch something called Instagram Reels. This is going to come next month, and it apparently comes with a sweetener. (laughs) Wall Street Journal (laughs) reporting that Instagram is offering financial incentives to TikTok users with millions of followers in an attempt to persuade them to come on over to Reels. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what you got to do, right? I
1: mean, if you're uh, in the position of something like a Facebook, and you can either try to build it, you can try to buy it, or you can try to uh, build it and then entice people to come over, even if it's not necessarily something that's as good as what you know they're using at the current time. And uh, I, you know, it. (laughs) I don't mean to sound this way. It's probably going to sound wrong, but you know, it just it's the way I feel, Chris. Um, it, it, it feels at least like that the more time that goes on, I don't know that Mark Zuckerberg is necessarily as smart as we all thought he might be. I mean, I'm not saying he's a dummy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that at all, I'm really not. It's just You hear the word genius thrown around sometimes. I don't know that I really fully feel like he goes in that genius category by a long shot. And the main reason is because if you look at Facebook today, I mean, there have been a few acquisitions that have changed the business itself, given the business a little bit more of a competitive advantage in that it has this massive audience. But essentially, it's just it's still the same Facebook. I mean, they go in there and they try to do things to steal audiences by building a Snapchat competitor or building a TikTok competitor. Recently, they tried to build a Pinterest competitor, right? I mean, very rarely do those things work, right? Users typically don't defect. Um, Facebook can try to pay more money, at least content creators, to get people over there to create some interest. But, you know, it feels like there is a a long track track record of them trying this and not really pulling it off and it just starts making me wonder is facebook is this just going to be an ad play i mean is this basically just kind of like twitter i mean twitter's the same thing it's always been facebook to me it's just the same thing it's always been they've made a few acquisitions along the way and and that doesn't mean investors can't win maybe they can but i start looking at facebook and the facebook of the future and i start wondering like is this, is you know is this a company really worth owning is it worth the trouble and, and i am starting to I'm starting to feel like maybe it's not, but you know, I could be wrong.
0: So, a couple thoughts. One is certainly, and you know this because you recently exited your position on Twitter. Certainly, Facebook is a exponentially more profitable company than Twitter. Oh um, yeah, no
1: question there.
0: Um, and the other is, you know, I I don't know, um, I don't know that I've ever looked at Mark Zuckerberg and thought of him as a genius, sort of in the way that we categorize people in the business world as geniuses or, or, or those who typically get that tag. Um, Elon Musk gets that tag, Steve Jobs got that tag. Um, there are some people who, who, who give that tag to someone like Bezos. Yeah. Um, uh, I've, I've always looked at, at Zuckerberg as an incredibly powerful operator. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he makes them, you know, and with his leadership team. He makes the engine, the business engine of the Facebook business work. Um, For whatever you think of Instagram, that was among the more um, laudable acquisitions, uh, I would say, of the last 20 years. I mean, it's 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 probably probably on par or approaching par with YouTube um, uh, with Google buying YouTube. Back yeah. in the day, which is one of those things with every passing year, more and more people or fewer and fewer people remember that Google Video was a thing that Google built to compete with <laughs> YouTube. And at some point, they said, you know what? <laughs> Let's just go to YouTube with a big check and see if they say yes. And they did. Uh, um, they so, did. It, you know, um, so, it, you know, th- but, you know, to go back to this story, it will be interesting to see if this works because clearly they have tried. They tried to make it work with this thing Lasso, which I've never heard of until today. Yeah, I know I right. I'm not the target demo. You're not the target demo for this. Um, so you know, it's, it's entirely possible our kids have heard of Lasso, but uh, you know, this—if nothing else, this—this this to me is a sign for anyone who's wondering, what's all the big deal about TikTok? It's like, eh, this is a demonstration on Facebook's part. Um, And by the way, YouTube too uh, is mentioned late in this Wall Street Journal article. Like, YouTube's working on their own version to sort of go after this short video market. Um, Whatever happened to Vine? Why did that? Why did that get shut down? That just seems like it got shut down too early. Incompetence. Yeah, I think that was just incompetence.
1: (laughs) I think that was just poor management uh, on on Twitter's part, and a lot of that was just due to no vision and just sort of the musical chairs of of management there. Because yeah, I mean it's it certainly seems like Vine kind of had a a really it had it had something early on and for whatever reason they just didn't nurture it and I mean yeah, I mean to your point, I mean Facebook obviously immensely larger and more profitable than Twitter. What I guess my my my, parallel there was just that, you know, is this a company that, f- for all intents and purposes going forward, this is a Facebook and Instagram company, and from here on out, they're going to continue to try to make acquisitions and copy other apps that are out there stealing the interest of, of, of other younger audiences. Um, you know, is that the most compelling business to invest in? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe with a user base that big, it's hard to argue against it. I mean, I'm certainly not sitting here saying, Sell Facebook and I'm a bear on Facebook. But I start thinking about how big this company is today and what maybe it looks like in the future. It feels like we're kind of just on this, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. This is just kind of what they do. And I'm not seeing any innovation out of a business where I just feel like you should see a ton of it. And maybe that's yet to come. I hope that is the case Uh, for now, though. I gotta say, I mean, I, and I'm not a Facebook shareholder, but if, if I was, I mean, I'd, I'd be I'd be disappointed. I'd be asking those questions.
0: Last thing, and then I'll let you go. Uh, Home Depot. Is there anything near the Home Depot you go to that all, is is like an additional reason to go? And the reason I ask that is because the Home Depot that I go to is in this strip mall area, uh, sort of the western part of Alexandria, and one of the shops. Sort of on the other side uh, from Home Depot is a Middle Eastern market called Mm -hmm. the Mediterranean Bakery, and they make the most amazing hummus and pita like like freshly baked pita bread right there so that that to me is always an excuse like if i go to home depot it's like well i'm gonna stop at the bakery and if i feel like ah, i haven't been to the bakery in a while then i'll just sort of do the reverse me like do we need anything at home depot <laughs> you're killing me here man there's the only thing
1: that's there is is freaking costco and i'm oh. not a member at, i guy, yeah we're not members at costco and i i want to go to costco like a, you know i want another hole in my head i mean it's just it's not what i'm looking to do man um But, yeah, man, now that you think about it, I could go the other way, go to Lowe's, and then on the way home, you're swinging by Wendy's. And, you know, Wendy's has Frosties, Chris, and Frosties are pretty good on a hot day like this.
0: It is a hot day out there. All right, Jason (laughs) Moser, thanks for being here. Thank you.